Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. When is the last time that you evangelized? You shared your faith with somebody. You tried to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus. Has it been a while? Well, you're not alone if it has been. In fact, a recent survey from Alpha Canada in partnership with Flourishing Congregations Institute at Ambrose University in Alberta, they found that 66% of Canadian church leaders do not see evangelism as a priority. Is that a concern? Well, it is to some people. Today, we're going to talk with Shayla Visser of Alpha Canada and find out the state of evangelism in Canada and why evangelism is still important and how we can do that. That's coming up here on Connections. Shayla Visser, you're back actually for, I think, the second time on Connection. So welcome back, first of all. Thanks, Mike. I'm so glad to be back with you. Uh, you're with Alpha Canada. We'll talk a little bit about Alpha and the work that you do in Canada. But uh, you have a, a really varied background in ministry and nonprofit work. Maybe for people that aren't familiar with us, uh, with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I come from a business family. We're an immigrant family. And I just saw what hard work and passion and vision did. And I was really blessed to grow up in a family that everybody that was working in my parents' generation really loved what they did. And they had a sense of calling. And so when I graduated from university, I wanted to go into business. And God called me to go into what has become now my lifetime call of work of helping introduce people to Jesus. And I'm telling you, Mike, that was not the immigrant <laughs> business mentality. But God has been faithful. God has been good to me. My family really has uh, learned what I do and embraced what I do. They pray for me and they support me. But in those early years, it was quite a different path, but I love it. And I have been able to take that business upbringing that I had, plus understanding the Bible and what it says. And I hope have put that towards ministry in a way that helps bring the best into now Alpha and what I do here with this organization. Uh, when you first sensed God calling you into ministry instead of business, what was your reaction? Like, were you sad or were you excited, scared? Well, I often tell people my story because I was I went kicking and screaming. Lots <laughs> of people feel that they have to have an emotive experience. Like God's called me. I had a mountaintop experience. Now I'm going to go do this. I felt like I went kicking and screaming in obedience. And so I often say to people, please be obedient to what God's inviting you to do. Even if you don't have all the feels like it's just not necessarily going to happen. Some people have the blessing of a feeling and an emotion and other people just know I've got to do this if I want to live the life God has for me. And I then I, of course, you make that decision. You struggle with it for a long time. You commit to it. You go through the hardship of it. And then suddenly you realize I was made to do this. Yeah. Once you look back too, right, you can see God's hand upon you the entire way then too. So um, exactly. And when you look at the Old Testament, I mean, half of those prophets, they went kicking and screaming, right? So. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, we even could look at Jonah. He ran the other way. Right. <laughs> I I get that. So uh, now you're with Alpha. I think a lot of people, they might have heard of the name Alpha before, but maybe not everybody uh, necessarily familiar with it. Really great program, though. Tell us a little bit about Alpha. Yeah, well, Alpha is an 11-week course. It was created out of the UK in a church in central London, so a very secular, large urban city, uh, where they wanted to create a space 
now it's online or in person where people can bring their friends for a conversation about life, faith, and Jesus. And there are really four components to an alpha, the community component, content, and conversation. And community is a meal together or having a conversation about all sorts of things together that are quite, you know, friendly and general. Then you get content, which could be the alpha film series or for teenagers, the alpha use series, and then a conversation that's open and facilitated where anyone can say anything, believe anything. And then the fourth component is actually the alpha weekend, which is the most impactful part of the whole experience. And over a million people in Canada have taken it and over 25 million people around the world. And it's really designed for people that would be like, I have questions about faith. I don't know if I believe this. It would be for people that would say, I really have questions or I I'm an atheist. I don't even know how I got here. (laughs) And so most people come because it's relational, right? A friend they trust invited them. There's something about those meals that really helps conversations open up too, right? Oh, that's exactly it. I mean, if you look at the early church, what did they do? They they broke bread together. They had a meal together. That's how people came to know about their community and learned about Jesus was around a table. Uh, have Alpha had to pivot over the last year and a half, I guess, uh, how groups are run and different things like that, depending on where they are? Absolutely. We, we on March 20th, didn't have anything called alpha online and by the end of march we're training people (laughs) how do we run off online we were like barely one step ahead and you know last year in canada over two thousand alphas were run online and we've seen a huge number this year as well we just can't believe how comfortable people feel doing alpha from their own living room or their kitchen table or their bedroom they could come into to a Zoom room, and they feel much more confident. The conversation goes deeper. It's more honest than you'd find at an in-person alpha in those first few weeks because they feel ah. safe to say whatever they think. Very interesting. Yeah, I actually, I guess I've done college courses online, and I have found the discussions better uh, often because, well, because for our grade, we were forced, you had to make so many comments, right? Whereas in a big classroom, though, everybody's kind of shy and quiet. And so that's really interesting. Yeah, we've loved it. I have run one myself online. And I and the thing I loved about it is that you didn't have to just think about who's local, who can drive to my church or drive to the restaurant where I'm mm. hosting Alpha or my home. I could think about who do I have relationship with from university, from my first job, uh, even from high school, which is quite a long time ago for me. You know, who do I still know that that I think we've had a reciprocal, beautiful friendship? Who could I invite now to take Alpha online? And in fact, I got a few university friends that live in different provinces that came and we had this most amazing experience together. In fact, the, the women on it who completed alpha are like, uh, we can't stop meeting. This is so good. Um, one gave her life to Jesus. Um, a friend of mine who is still an atheist says the door is open to Jesus now, um, where it wasn't before. And so I think it's just this tremendous opportunity for people who have a faith in Christ to actually run one online and invite those people that they used to work with who've moved away or their family that lives in a different province or even in a different country. That's the benefit of Alpha Online is there's relational equity that you have with people that just don't live in your neighborhood. That's so amazing. And to hear a friend say like the the door is open to Jesus, like it's all about planting those seeds, right? Exactly, exactly. And giving them an experience of Christ over the 11 weeks of Alpha. 
So Alpha Canada, you recently partnered up with the uh, Flourishing Congregations Institute at Ambrose University and did some research regarding the state of evangelism in Canada. Uh, why did Alpha and why did the Flourishing Congregations Institute, why did you think a study like this is important, first of all, to do? Well, we wanted to hear from pastors across the country and in all the different church traditions to see what was their thinking on evangelism, particular as we, as we looked out at the culture. And as we know, loneliness has been increasing over the last decade, social isolation increasing. And then when the pandemic hit, we've seen an increase in mental illness. Um, people are very dissatisfied with their lives right now. They're calling this year the great resignation because people are like, I don't want to do this job anymore. Hmm. I want to do something different. And if we look out at the culture around us in Canada or even in the Western countries, we realize there's an opportunity for the church to really say to the world, you know, Jesus is the hope and the peace uh, you're looking for. And we wanted to know, do church leaders think that evangelism is important? And in fact, what we realized is that the attitudes towards evangelism are amongst pastors and how we live out our faith are changing. In fact, we don't even have a unified language or common aims around evangelism. In lots of churches, they don't even say evangelism. It's like giving right. people a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. So we, the church pastors can't even agree. How do we talk about this in our congregations? Uh, very interesting. I know, uh, I think evangelism and our view on it has really changed over the last like 30 or 40 years. When I was a kid, you just did it, right? And it's what we all did. But now, yeah, everybody hears that word and you're like, oh, well, I don't want to offend anybody or beat people over the head with the Bible, right? So, yeah. And that's what we learned from this research is that pastors actually have a preference for, sh for teaching and modeling how sh sharing our faith through actions is so meaningful, which it is. But we also need the opportunity to share Christ and actually talk about who he is. So what were some of the, uh, the findings from this report? What were some of the bigger things that you folks found in this research? Well, we found, again, this is 2,701 pastors that filled it out across Canada. So a very significant sampling size. And 65% of them say that evangelism has not been a priority for many churches in the past several years. And they're talking about their own church. So that's a significant amount. That's pre-pandemic and pandemic. And if the culture around us is really in some places starting to implode, the cultural nuances of the day say that the that there's a dissatisfied culture. If church leaders aren't thinking about making evangelism and making Jesus known in their community a priority, then uh, we're going to miss this moment where culture is hurting and asking for help. Yeah, I found... I don't want to talk bad about churches, but oftentimes it feels maybe churches are more inward focused than outward focused now. You know, most pastors that I talk to, and I, I have a lot of friends who are pastors, they have a deep desire for people to come to know Jesus. They really mm -hmm. do. But I think the exhaustion of pastoral work where you're in leadership, you have a budget, you have staffing, yeah. you're preaching on Sunday. We call it the event once a week that you do. Um, it, there's so much coming at them that that first love, perhaps, of why they got into pastoral ministry gets buried beneath the onslaught of the work of running a church. 
And I wonder if it isn't that they want to be internally focused, but the minutia of church life has just made it so. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a re-envisioning and a rekindling of that first love. I've hardly ever met a church leader who wouldn't say they'd love to see people come into a life-changing experience with Jesus where their lives are transformed by his love. What were uh, some of the most eye-opening results for you in this or something that shocked you maybe? Well, I think there was a couple. I think I was really surprised that 46% of pastors who work with children and 48% of pastors who work with youth say that it's wrong to share one's faith with the hopes that another person will become a Christian. And that was really surprising to us. We anticipated that different generations would have different perspectives, but we were surprised at how many of the children's and youth pastors just didn't think that was a priority or that it was even right to do so. That's really interesting. And yeah, I've seen different studies over the years more and more. And uh, you hear that from a lot of Christians outside of leadership, but I'm really surprised to hear that from people inside of leadership in the church. Well, I think it, it, what this research does is it, oper, it offers an opportunity to those in leadership at a church, whether you're on a board, you're an elder, you're a deacon, um, whether you're another staff member or you're the senior pastor at a church. It gives you the opportunity to have a discussion with your youth and children's workers and leaders to ask them what evangelism means to them. Because what we can't decipher from this research is, are they allergic to the word evangelism, yeah. but they do want lots of people to know Jesus, or do they actually think it's wrong? And I hope that this research prods churches to have conversations to say, what do we believe about this and what's important? Uh so yeah, on that, and like, are people allergic to the word evangelism and stuff like that? How do we start these conversations within our church then? Well, I think you just have to, you know, gather as church leadership and really start to talk about, do we care about people coming to meet Jesus? Like, is that something that's a priority to this community of faith? If that's so, how are we going to do that? How do we language it to our church so that our church gets on board? So I think it's first starting of, does the leadership of the church have a heart for people to come to know Jesus? If so, what's the prioritization? How are we going to do that? What, where are we at as a church? Do we need to train for it? Because we also found out in the research, 55% of Canadian congregations don't equip for evangelism. So there's a number of conversations about conviction and then about equipping the congregation. So if the conviction is there amongst the staff and the leadership, then you move to the practical sense of what does it mean to envision the congregation, tell stories, invite them into a bigger story, and then hopefully get some real equipping and training into the life of the church so that they don't know how to do it and that they have confidence around it. Because the culture right now is really against the church. Like we are yeah. seeing um, this pendulum swing where the church is doing in the minds of non-Christians is doing really crazy things. And a lot of the U.S., um, airwaves would be broadcasting things about the church that perhaps we agree with or disagree with, but don't help our narrative out to the to the culture around us and our communities. So we need to also equip our people to know how do we love well in our neighborhoods. Yeah, having a title like Reverend, it used to be instant respect, right? And now <laughs> all my now social media is that. Reverend Tom. And now I often worry like, oh, this person's going to make assumptions about me before they even meet me now kind of thing, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. 
I, I really, I'm really convinced that um, as we lead with love in our communities, evangelism will become easier. Yes. Whether you call it evangelism or not, we need to lead with love. Yeah. Lead with love, show what we're for, right? To put God's love on display in the light of Jesus. And I mean, evangelism gets a whole lot easier then, doesn't it? Yes. In the first century church, they were counter culture right. and it was such a winsome culture. It was so other that people, pagans were curious about it. They wanted to know about it and they were won over by this new countercultural community. And I wonder what would that look like in Canada if we were known for love and um, sacrifice and service to the um, the community around us and to the needs in that community. What a you know, a moment that would be for the church in Canada if we could rise up and be that. You know, talking about training people for evangelism and stuff, I think I'm guilty of this too. Even when I was pastoring, evangelism basically boiled down to just invite a friend to church. That's it, right? Don't don't share your testimony or don't share scripture. Don't do this or that. Just invite them to church. And really for somebody that's never grown up in the church, walking into a Sunday morning church service might not be all that effective for evangelism anyways, right? They're going to be sitting there stunned about trying to figure out what's going on. Exactly. I think I've said this to you before, Mike, that I love Daryl Johnson's quote on his definition of evangelism. And it's this, evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. Mm -hmm. And if we really understand that, what that means is you're not the first into that conversation. You can be the most articulate, educated person ready to defend your faith, or you could be very new into the faith and have no idea how to talk about Jesus and the Bible. But but what you do is you just talk about the way he's changed your life. And I think we have to come back to that knowledge that we're joining the conversation the Holy Spirit's having. And what does that mean every day? Well, really what it means is let's pray and say to the Holy Spirit, I will join you in the conversations you're having with other people around me in my workplace, um, in my volunteer work, in my community, in the evenings, in my volunteer place, I will join you in whatever you're doing. And I will be courageous to speak about you or to pray for other people. And the way that I've really come to see it, particularly during COVID, as I've shared my faith in the neighborhood, it hasn't looked like me proclaiming Jesus off my front step. Mm-hmm. It's, it's looked like Ryan and I running into other people's pain to pray for them, to listen to them, to encourage them. And one day we may invite them to church or to Alpha. But what we're doing right now is spreading seeds of the kingdom of God. And hopefully they're having an encounter of Jesus, even if they wouldn't be able to articulate it. They've encountered something of the kingdom of God as they've encountered us. That's great. That reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, often, I think this was in Haiti. I went to Haiti after the large earthquake there quite a few years ago. And one of the people I was with everywhere he went, he was asking people, do you know where you're going when you die? Are you going to go to heaven when you die? And something struck me and I didn't want to, you know, come against how he evangelizes. But I decided based on that experience, I want to ask people instead, have you experienced the kingdom of heaven here and now? Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. you haven't experienced it, let me show you a glimpse of it. And uh, so maybe not literally asking them that, but living my life so that I'm showing them and inviting them into the kingdom of heaven constantly. That's right. I totally agree with that. And the more we have that perspective, the bigger change we're going to see in our communities. And I'm really convinced 
that um, when we are abiding with Christ, the overflow of that abiding shows up in everyday conversations. So just like you're saying, you're presenting Jesus as good now. I think particularly Gen Z, and we did some Barna research, um, they really are interested in is, is not is Jesus true, but is Jesus good? And can I experience him? And I think that's what the world is longing for. Not Jesus is true. Jesus is true can come later, but is he good? And so it's not just about, hey, when I die, where do I go? That's important. Jesus talked about it a lot. We don't want to diminish that. But it's also, what does it mean for me to have a relationship with Jesus now? You know, what does it mean to have the peace that passes all understanding? What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? What does it mean to be, oh, you know, filled to, to the brim with love from God that then flows to other people. You know, these are the experiences that we need to have ourselves of God and that we need to offer to other people. So I really think of us offering a good, good Jesus to the world. We'll show them that he is true. Uh, those conversations, a great place to start them is Alpha. Uh maybe easier to invite people to one of those groups than a Sunday morning church service. Like we said, uh, how can we find out more about alpha and maybe doing something online through the rest of this year? Well, I'll say that alpha is one of the ways that it's easy to invite people to consider the claims of Christ, to have an encounter with Jesus. You know, that's just one way church, depending on your church is your church, you know, organized around visitors coming and, and the language they choose on a Sunday morning, et cetera. If it's not, then perhaps Alpha or something like Alpha would be really helpful for your friends because Alpha was designed for someone who does not have a faith, who might even come from a different religion. And so it's really a safe place for you to invite your friend. So wherever you are, if you're thinking, I just want to start an Alpha online, we'll provide you coaching and training. Just go to alphacanada.org slash run. And you can find out all the information you need to, you can create an account, all of our resources are for free, but we'll get you the training you need to run an alpha for your friends. And if your church wants to run a centralized one, we will do the same. But we just want to say we're here to serve the church in Canada, we're here to help her do her part in the community. And so whatever we can do to serve, we're happy to do it. Thank you so much, Shayla, for joining us again on Connections. Always a great conversation. Thanks, Mike. Great to be with you and happy to be on anytime. I love our conversations. And thank you again for listening. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. That rating and review, it makes it easier for other people to find us. And that subscription, well, hey, it just means a lot to us to get that new episode to your phone or device every single day. We'll talk to you again on Connections.